Thank you for coming back to Zoom with Zarni. Today is Thursday, October 21st, and we are just less than two days away from the start of early voting for the 2021 general election. Uh, that is why I'm so happy to have my guest on today's program is Jarrett Berg, who is the executive director and founder of Vote Early New York. Uh, it's, uh, he's an incredible um, advocate for the voters of New York. Uh, I'm glad to call him my friend and, and uh, an ally, even when we don't agree all the time. But he, um, you know, has joined our program several times talking about early voting and the expansion of it in New York ever since it's uh, started in 2019. And uh, he is, uh, you know, comes back today. We have a great conversation about what is good about early voting right now and where we think that uh, things might expand in the future. So please uh, join us uh, a little later and, uh, uh, and and stay for the interview. A uh, few upkeeps, uh, absentee balloting, uh, you know, the, we, the requests for absentee ballots have now started to die down since we've gotten past the, uh, the 15 day deadline. Um, and again, early voting does start on Saturday. Uh, redistricting commission is continuing to go on. I did, uh, as I did an update in my commissioner and car, I did try to get this moved till after the November election. Um, I have made the decision I will attend all of the public hearings for the redistricting commission, despite them going on during early voting hours. This was actually a pretty hard decision for me. I uh, pride myself on never having been out of the office when ballots are actually being cast in Onondaga County since my time as commissioner. And uh, that includes all the early voting hours. I've never, never not been in the office. And I can't say that for all of uh, the elections commissioners in New York State. That being said, this is a once in a decade opportunity to hear from the voters about what they want their next congressional maps to be. I am a member of this commission by county charter, and I'm, I believe it's my responsibility to be at all of them. So I will. And uh, I hope that uh, you participate. If you go to the Onondaga County Legislature website, there's a reapportionment section uh, that uh, you can submit uh, public comment if you can't come to the public hearings. But again, I, I, I hope you do. And uh, I, I hope to see you at these hearings and telling me what you want. I don't know if all the other commissioners will be there. In fact, uh, Commissioner Holslander said, I think he's only gonna come to one of five hearings. I, I find that, um, well, he has to do what he feels is right for the voters and so do the other commissioners. So I, I urge all of the commissioners to come to all of the meetings. I know my Democratic colleague, uh, Sharon Morin, is planning on coming to most of them. They were not scheduled with our uh, schedules in mind. In fact, we were, we were very forceful in the Tuesday hearing that we wanted this moved till after the election and they just refused to do so. So it'll be interesting to see whether they come to these hearings or not. Uh, so, but that being said, I plan on being there. I hope to see you there. Uh, and I hope that you give testimony about what you wanna see in uh, the next uh, redistricting and there'll be live streams. So uh, check that out if you're not able to come. Again, thank you very much. And I hope you enjoy your day and enjoy this interview with Jared Burke, who's the Executive Director of Vote Early New York uh, and an incredible advocate for voters. Bye-bye.
And I'm very happy to have my good friend, Jared Berg. He's the founder and executive director of Vote Early New York uh, and uh, has been on this program several times, uh, usually right before early voting, which is starting right on Saturday here in New York. This is our fifth election with early voting uh, in New York, our third general election. And Jared, thank you very much for coming on Zoom with Zarni. Good to be with you again, Dustin. So, Jared, where do, does New York stand with early voting? Uh, you know, if you can also tell us a little history about Vote Early New York as well and why you started your organization and, and where do you think we've come over the last couple of years with early voting? So uh, we know that since 2019, New York has made great strides to, to begin to modernize our uh, election administration. And of course, that includes expanding uh, opportunities people have to cast the ballot uh, by creating a reasonable election period, an early voting period of nine days. Uh, we built out Vote Early New York uh, with a mindset of this was a, a grand and fleeting opportunity uh, to build a, a voter-centric program uh, in a place that for decades and decades uh, had had a, an antiquated election law uh, with gridlock in Albany um, and a, a status quo of a single election day model uh, that, uh, that other states had, had, had jettisoned, had gotten rid of because, uh, because it was very inefficient for folks and it creates these artificial barriers. I also think there's a resiliency component to that uh, where spreading out the voting reducing the pressure on election officials uh, and the public uh, to, to make sure that everything goes right during one single day. I think we've moved to a much more uh, resilient model as well. Uh, but the concept behind Vote Early New York is uh, we have one election law, we have 58 localities that are tasked with administering those. Uh, they have a ton of discretion. Uh, there's, New York doesn't have a history of state funding for elections. Um, and this is a piece that I feel uh, is often overlooked. We have a state board of elections that is technically the chief election officer or office in the state, but they really don't do the job that the public might expect uh, that that office would do. Um, and, and just a, a quick example of that um, is without the state funding, you have localities like New York City uh, that have uh, a person on staff whose full-time job is to do social media and develop uh, strong lit and PR materials. And then you have counties, uh, I think you call them the bare minimum boards, uh, where these folks uh, are short staffed. They're obviously underfunded and overworked. Uh, they don't have someone on staff who can do social media and marketing and that kind of thing. Um, and the state board fails to fill that gap uh, where they could be providing like a baseline of civic engagement material and allow those counties to kind of fill in the blank and, and build on top of that. Uh, so the concept behind Vote Early New York is one, to make sure that these reforms are implemented in the letter and spirit with which they were enacted. Uh, but the other part is to do some of that work that we wish the state board was doing uh, by making uh, a voter friendly engagement uh, available to the public. So as uh, we have matured as a state, <laughs> we've uh, added, um, you know, uh, early voting and and the pandemic kind of made us add a third stream that we weren't ready to do, which is basically no excuse absentee voting for the last two years, even though you'd still have to choose an excuse. It's not, but temporary illness works for everybody in, in New York. 
what are some of the things that New York has gotten right about early voting? We'll go into what we still got to do right. But what what have what have we gotten right over the last couple of years? Uh, what are some of the positive things that you've seen? So uh, this early voting law, compared to the rest of the election law around it, uh, it really stands in stark relief. Uh, and there's a lot of good things in this law. Um, so for one thing, this was very important during in, in the years uh, leading up to the enactment of early voting. We wanted to be sure that the state was was setting minimum standards uh, that could apply statewide while still preserving the local discretion uh, for administrators like yourself and your colleagues to craft a program uh, that meets the needs of, of local constituents. And so uh, that's a tough balance. We we. We heard loud and clear uh, a message that is true, especially in New York, that one size does not fit all counties. Uh, New York is a very diverse place, not just in terms of demographics, uh, but between the different counties, uh, vastly different geographies uh, and, and, and demographics uh, and um, densities, population densities and, and compositions. Uh, you have some super superpopulation counties like Nassau and Suffolk that have giant, giant populations. Uh, then you have sprawling uh, counties that have very low populations of registered voters. So we needed a system that could work uh, in places like Brooklyn and also in places like Hamilton County. And um, although there's obviously been growing pains, I think they set uh, a pretty decent system of minimum standards that counties could go beyond but that they couldn't go beneath when it comes to the hours and the locations. Uh, so that's a massive plus. Um, and I'll just add to that the vote centers thing uh, and to, to elaborate on that, this concept, which is uh, revolutionary in New York elections, that a voter could go to any location in their county that's uh, deployed rather than being restricted to a single uh, assigned location. Uh, that vastly increases convenience uh, and people's access particularly in the counties that have gone larger and deployed a whole bunch of sites. So, yeah, so that, I mean, the vote center model, for those who don't remember, the vote center model is that you can go to any uh, uh, early voting site, uh, no matter where you live in the county, and be able to vote. And that actually, you know, was not the case when we first started in 2019. Onondaga County, my county, uh, did, and most counties tried to do that. Of course, a lot of counties only had one early voting center. So it was easy to do that. But there were some big holdouts on that. Uh, Westchester, New York City, um, a few other, uh, was it uh, Dutchess or was it, it Albany? Was Orange and Albany. Orange and Albany. So none of them, they did not go to the vote centers. They assigned voters to particular early voting sites much like on election day when you're assigned to your election day site. But once uh, 2020 rolled around, most of that rescinded, right? Or it, was it uh, you know, Albany and Orange, are, are they still uh, vote centers or are they? So, so this, this history is right. Um, they, uh, they held out. I mean, they took the money, they bought the electronic poll books, uh, they deployed the ballot on demand printers. They took that state funding. Uh, but those three counties attempted to go into election 2020 with assigned sites. Uh, and our group worked with them under threat of lawsuit because the early voting law, and this is the point I was trying to make before, is it, it, it's very clear that the rule is countywide access 
and uh, there's very limited exceptions to that. Uh, so they were they were willing to ignore that, uh, but we were able to work with all three counties in August of 2020 and prevailed upon them to deploy uh, to deploy a countywide plan. Uh, and part of the reason why it wasn't a close call is because in all three cases, larger counties using the same technology uh, had had deployed countywide access. So we are now at a point. Uh, where every county in the state, all 57 jurisdictions outside New York City, allow voters to use any site. Um, and, and initially there was this split. I think, uh, is it, I guess it tracked the partisan divide. It also tracks sort of the demographic uh, split where um, there were a lot of folks that didn't think early voting uh, was necessary at all. And then uh, once it was the law, they were willing and interested in going as small as possible um, but, but to your colleagues' credit, frankly, I, I think on both sides of the aisle, we are starting to see these programs expand uh, in large counties, in small counties, in red, purple, and blue counties for the convenience of residents. Uh, I think this year, Montgomery County is up to three sites. Uh, Chautauqua is deploying four sites. They're both only required to have one. It's a, it's a 2021, an odd year election. So uh, for whatever it's worth, we are starting to see counties and folks in them who might have been reticent to embrace these programs initially, uh, starting to go larger than they have to. Uh, that's a good thing. But not everywhere. Uh, my county uh, is still at the minimum, um, but there is a bill coming to address that, uh, you know, in, for 2022. So I guess this is as good of a segue to talk about uh, the, uh, what is it? Uh, expand, <laughs> what did GNRs call it? It was the, uh, help New York vote easier act or something like that. Uh, um, you got it. Rolls, rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, it's just so uh, uh, easy to remember. Uh, but it's a good bill, if not a clumsy name, uh, in my opinion. Um, and you know what? Well, you know uh, more about the bill than me. So what, what is that going to do for early voting? What is this uh, make New York vote easier uh, bill going to do for uh, early voting? So the Make Voting Easy Act, oh, that's uh, okay. and and it is uh, it rolls right off the tongue. The Make Voting Easy Act. The concept is to take uh, now that we have this, we'll call it the first generation of early voting under our belts, and that is a real credit to you and your colleagues. Uh, you know, I can I can argue for better voting laws, but the folks who administer it, uh, these are the people that are doing the work. So I do just want to make that point. Now that we've had this first generation behind us. And we've lived through a presidential, uh, a, a somewhat unforeseen pandemic experience on top of that. Uh, so the, the legislature is looking at what worked well and what needs to be expanded. Uh, and so the generation two of early voting is basically uh, on the heels of this coming election. Uh, so um, I think uh, with a little luck, it'll be signed by the end of the year. Uh, it intentionally takes effect uh, next April. So I think it's done with an eye toward state funding. And I think that's integral to this whole thing, that it is tied uh, or, or foresees a budget process that includes state funding for this increased uh, requirement uh, on the counties. Um, but what we're going to see is the ratios change. Instead of it being one per 50,000, one early voting site for every 50,000 registered voters, uh, there's now two tiers it's gonna be one early voting site for every 40,000 registered voters uh, in counties that, are, that have less registered voters. 
uh, I say less, but it's less than 500,000 registered voters. That's fairly large. Uh, and then for the largest counties in the state, uh, and that is the dividing line, it's one per 30,000 registered voters. Uh, so I think uh, that's reverse, isn't it? It's for the 500,000 and below, it's one for every 30,000. And for 500,000 and above, it's one for every 40,000. So the more populous counties don't have to have as many early voting sites. In a I get that backwards? Yeah, you got that backwards. It's okay, because, you know, it's a, it, either way, whether it's one for every 40,000 or one for every 30,000, we're going to see uh, expanded use. But it also took away the, the arbitrary uh, maximum. That the maximum minimum that was put in there from the first one. So these big counties are going to get an expansion of early voting sites, especially New York City. Um, That's a great point. And what they're doing is they're eliminating this cap on the minimum required sites. Right now it sits at 10. In the original law, it was seven. Uh, that cap is now being removed. Um, and the other big change in this law is an expansion of the weekend uh, early voting hours yes. from five on each weekend day to eight. So we're going to see a jump, uh, a substantial jump in the amount of weekend hours uh, required as well. Um, and, and look, the, uh, the, the specifics on the ratios uh, are going to have the effect that counties that went small, uh, that sort of, uh, uh, that, that did the bare minimum, they are going to feel this difference. I think your county may go to 10 sites next year. Yep. Uh, Suffolk County's program is going to double at least double uh, because of just where their ratios were uh, uh, last year. Yeah, it's a uh, it's significant expansion. I, I, I and I, I, my, I argued for it. Uh, my state delegation argued for it because, you know, we wanted eight sites in Onondaga County as a compromise to the Republicans. We really wanted 10, but we were offering eight and the Republicans, county legislators and County executive and county party fought against it, wanted the bare minimum. And of course, that's all the two hour lines that we had uh, last year. And even after that, they were unwilling to just expand just a little bit this year. That's what we wanted. We wanted to go to eight and, and, and just uh, give, you know, some, uh, you know, acceptance that we need more. And then, um, but they said no again, and I think that got the state delegation upset. And we've already had the problems in Suffolk and and New York City with this cap, and and and, and, and so I I think it was about time it was ready for a change because the, when the law was drafted in 2019, it really was a holdover law that was a um, meant to bring the Senate Republicans on board in 2018. Um, as a bare minimum early voting law, and they, they never came on board anyways. And then the, the Democrats passed it on the first day. But really, I, I think I think now with this change, if the governor signs this bill, which everyone expects her to, um, that we will finally get to an early voting system that is comparable with other early voting systems around the state. So, Jared, what, what do you think we need to continue to do to improve early voting in New York? Uh, so I mentioned earlier, I, I really think uh, there's, there's an opportunity to do some really good civic engagement around these programs. Uh, 
and there's no reason why there wouldn't be sort of a, a common uh, cache of materials that localities could use. Um, and, and this does tie into other issues, not just early voting uh, that, that deal with election administration. Um, if you visit the various county board of election websites, they do run the gamut. I mean, there are some counties uh, that the language they use to talk about the elections, you wouldn't even know there was early voting. And it doesn't mean that they don't have a plan. They do have a deployed plan. Uh, but there are, there are counties that you'd visit. They talk only in terms of the November 2nd election uh, with no real mention of, hey, there's nine days to vote before that in person. Uh, and then you have other counties that, um, that really do what they can to tell people, hey, there's this new option. Click here to find out where how you can access it uh, and that sort of thing and it's there are bare minimum uh uniformity requirements so to speak so the counties are very good at reminding people you can't vote twice uh which is required by law and obviously that's true and that's important they're not as good at telling people here are your early voting options here are the dates and times there's evening hours there might be am hours uh and the sort of things that go along with that uh the wait times uh, the parking situation at these places, um, and they are ADA accessible, uh, but there's less, uh, there's less focus on making sure that people know about these options uh, and getting the word out there ahead of time uh, that this is, this is available sort of as a co-equal option to the traditional voting on election day. Uh, so the quality of the county boards really runs the gamut. It's not just an early voting thing. Um, I've, we've, in our conversations, I've learned uh, some of these, some of your colleagues don't have control over their website, so they might not be able to do the updates that that they'd want to do. Uh, but I'd also argue that they probably don't have a staff person who's a web designer uh, or a graphic designer to make local resources. So we've seen some beautiful graphics out of out of Ulster. Uh, we've seen some some good content out of Nassau and a few other counties. Uh, the city has uh, robust uh, civic engagement materials in multiple languages. Um, but I'd like to see that aspect built out. Um, and how about a chat bot on the state board website uh, to just to address the most garden variety questions that come up so you folks aren't getting bombarded with, uh, you know, the most run of the mill questions that voters have, which are good questions, but that's got to take up staff resources. We don't need 58 different ways to answer those questions. So, you know, a couple of things that have been suggested to me, and I kind of want to get your opinion on it. I have no opinion on some of these things, and uh, I, they're really ones that I'm kind of weighing myself, it is uh, uniformity of hours. I, you know, right now, um, and that's something else in the Make America, make New York, uh, the, the, the easier vote, the early voting expansion bill that we were talking about earlier uh, adds another nighttime um, day as well. It adds another uh, 8 p.m. end day uh, for a total of three. Um, instead of two, but currently there's two, but it, but the boards get to set what their hours are in between a certain number of hours. You know, we have uh, anywhere from 9 a.m. to uh, 8 p.m. to set an eight-hour period any which day, and we do see some boards doing 10 to 6s, 9 to 5s, and when you're in upstate and you're in a vast media market, um, you know, and and the the and there's different boards doing different things. Uh, it, some people have felt that that has led to some confusion. 
Um, do you think that we should get some uniformity in the hours, like a statewide, uh, you know, hourly system, and then boards can add extra hours if they want to, but what the minimum hours are should be mandated uh, throughout the state, or do you think that it's okay to change from county to county? So I do have a take on that. Um, and I, I appreciate what happens when there's a congressional race and the congressional district has maybe eight counties or 10 or 12 counties, uh, you know, getting the word out there uh, gets cumbersome, uh, not just for the media outlets, but for the candidates too. Uh, my chief concern, and it's a principal thing, I mentioned this before, we wanna make sure it's a race to the top, not a race to the bottom. So we can set minimum hours and tell counties they can go above that. Uh, but my concern is if you set sort of standard hours, it becomes lowest common denominator. Um, and we've seen a lot of that, frankly. And, and I know uh, I appreciate how hard uh, elect, uh, election officials are working in those weekends ahead of an election. Uh, there are not days off. Uh, but the amount of counties that run 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday uh, and call that the weekend access, uh, you know, that that renders Saturday afternoon not available. Uh, it means that, you know, certain other times of, of the day uh, when people might be around, uh, they're not voting. And so we actually have seen a lot of counties band together and do that. Um, so I could see, I, I think that should be up to officials to work together. But what I wouldn't want is a state mandate that sort of put in place a reverse incentive. Um, I think they should be offering almost like head start money so that you folks, whoever comes up with clever, innovative programming, maybe wins a prize for, uh, for what they've done to incentivize them and other counties to embrace those things. Uh, so I wouldn't want to see them whittle down the hours or put in place anything uh, that, would, that would take away from that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of, I, I, that is my chief concern that unfortunately the discretion uh, can be altruistic or it can be abused. Uh, what we've seen in this new early voting law is them say, look, we're, we're going to make you add hours on the weekends. Uh, we're going to take away some of that uh, discretion to go above it if you'd like. Uh, in light of the, the three, four, five hour lines we saw during early voting last year, not just in New York City, but uh, in, in, in all the, the larger populous counties. Well, and I also think that that brings a uniformity too, because now you have eight hour days every day instead of, you know, and plus, I, I think, you know, I think the metrics bear it out. More people early vote per hour on a weekend than vote uh, on a weekday. And so having more hours on the weekends means more access for more voters. So that's, um, that, that I think is, is important there. What about the number of days? Um, again, when early voting was started, you know, even in my caucus of Democratic commissioners, there are those who feel nine days is too much, but it's really on the lower end of early voting um, as a concept in other states. So where do you, where do you uh, look at, uh, at the nine days? I, I assume that you're not like saying, let's change it next year, but uh, do you think that there's room to expand or do you think nine days is about right for New York? I think for general elections, I wouldn't want to see them go less than nine days for sure. Uh, and I think as this program continues to mature, uh, frankly, when we get this new law in place and get a few more, what I hope will be more normalized election cycles under our belt, uh, both from a political uh, rhetoric standpoint, but also to try to do some elections not during a, a, an international health crisis, 
uh, to really get a feel for uh, how people are using and interacting with this program. Uh, but so I'm okay with the nine days for now. Um, I should make the point uh, 14 days is much more close to, uh, to what the, the, the average program is. Some counties, uh, some states uh, go much bigger. They go for weeks and weeks, a month or, or even longer. Uh, but as we build out vote by mail, I think that's a major piece of this conversation too. In our past discussions, I think uh, we're sort of all aiming for uh, a third, a third, a third as the, the sort of uh, called, you know, maybe Goldilocks uh, approach of, of really getting people to use these options. Uh, but I, I'd like to see that play out a little bit more, having a, a, a mainstream absentee voting uh, option that doesn't, you know, involve legal gymnastics for people to be eligible. Uh, and, and if the health crisis subsides, uh, and then we have those three options, we could see in general elections and even years, do we need more days? Do we need more days overall? Uh, or should we have uh, the ability to reduce the amount of days and the footprint of the plan generally in special elections and primaries? Now, I do worry uh, as, as an observer of what happens in, in counties when the politics gets really nasty, that that, uh, that discretion could be abused. Uh, but I am sensitive that in some of these smaller election events, particularly if you have one district having, having a special uh, in, in a county that might not uh, have such a dense, large population, uh, nine days might seem like a lot uh, in that context. But I wouldn't go smaller during the general elections. Um, I like preserving some uh, local discretion as long as it's not abused. So I'm actually hoping for some kind of review or escalation mechanism when decisions like that are taken uh, so that local officials can have discretion and yet they can't use that to, uh, to, to harm their constituents. So I think you just gave me a good segue into the next topic that we wanted to talk about today. And that's uh, vote by mail or absentee ballot voting. Uh, you, you know, New York changed its law uh, this year uh, to comply with the federal post office uh, guidelines for vote by mail and uh, you know, not defending the law. I'm just putting the, uh, what, what the people who put the law in place uh, in the post office said that if you were going to mail a ballot or mail, a, mail an application in and then have the board of elections mail a ballot back to them and have it be, get to them to a point where they could put a post, a stamp on it and postmark it by election day they suggested moving from our seven day guideline to 15 days where, um, but the seven day guideline was a postmark deadline. Whereas the 15 days is a received by where you have to receive the application by 15 days. We are actually recording this on the last day to do this on Monday the 18th, but it'll be, it'll be airing on Thursday. So a little bit past the deadline um, for people to mail in their application and more importantly, use the portal. The new portal that is out there, the online application shuts down on Monday at midnight uh, because it's run by the state. So, but you've been a, a, a big critic of this bill, and I wanted to give you space to tell us, you know, how this could be better. I know you have a compromise that you wanted to put out there, um, but you know, and and what, where, where do you think uh, we can? I mean, obviously, we're going to get some data to see how many people don't get there absentee ballots now uh, because of this change. But what are you hoping to see um, uh, change on this law in the next session? Um, so 
I appreciate you raising the issue. And this, uh, this is one policy uh, that I don't agree with uh, that has been enacted at this point. Uh, and we are, we are uh, laboring under it for the first election. Uh, and I, I hope they'll reconsider this law. Um, but so New York has done a lot of very positive things over the last 12 months uh, when it comes to expanding access to absentee voting. Uh, this is not one of them from the standpoint of a voter. And uh, I think all of it is sort of based on the manic uh, sort of fever pitch that, that, that your colleagues were laboring under uh, last April and May and June uh, when they were scrambling under a series of executive orders for the first time uh, into the, the, the heated presidential year, uh, which is not the best time to deploy uh, new voting practices, um, I, I think, uh, outside of an emergency context. Uh, and so I think they've overreached here. Um, what they've done is in New York is earned themselves a place on the restrictive voter list that the Brennan Center puts out uh, by, by passing a law uh, that cuts off access to absentee ballots uh, much earlier in the process. Um, and so uh, you did highlight the two changes, um, but, but I think they're really significant. And um, you know, the, the, the one that has been reported on a little bit uh, is the change from a deadline of seven days before the election to request your absentee ballot uh, to eight days earlier to 15 days uh, before the election. And so cutting things off on a Monday night uh, as the deadline is one part of it. It's another thing to say that those requests have to be received by the board uh, by that 15th day. And so just looking at this first iteration of the law, uh, it led folks um, like yourself and the New York City Campaign Finance Board, uh, people on very different parts of the state who want to make sure people can vote, to advise voters that they should, if they're mailing in their request, they should do it last Thursday, last Friday, several days before the deadline. Uh, and it leaves folks like me in a position of not being able to advise someone, when do you have to act by in order to make sure that your request is timely? Uh, in a world where we are moving toward more and more digital uh, uh, digital uh, conduct by people, people are doing more and more things online. Uh, there's millions of people trying to vote absentee uh, and they're able to make those requests online. So there's no longer that like a snail mail. Uh, it's bizarre that you would set the same date uh, for, for those requests and then back it up as they have. Um, but the second part of the change, the receive by part, uh, I think is really the part uh, that, that, that implicates people's due process. Uh, we have a mailbox rule for returning your ballot. We don't require in New York, uh, and this is where New York is on the, the, the right side of the national conversation. We don't require that your ballot be received by the Board of Elections on election night. Uh, we give that a courtesy, not just to overseas and military voters, uh, but to anyone voting absentee because once a voter relinquishes their ballot, once they give up control, they're not, they don't have the ability to manipulate the vote based on what happens on election night at that point. So uh, it, it, we have a system that protects the voter uh, in that instance, uh, that when you hand something over to the government, it's out of your control, uh, it's on the government to get things uh, to the right place. Um, but put simply, it does not take 15 days to move a piece of paper across a county. Uh, and the post office's own report 
Although New York had some issues with this last June, uh, when the entire world was in a very different place, uh, the post office's own 2021 report uh, reveals that they were able to deliver ballots from the Board of Elections to voters uh, in, in, in very short amount of time, uh, closer to, to three days for 99% of the ballots, and an even shorter amount of time to return ballots from voters uh, to the Board of Elections. Uh, so the 15 days thing, I think, is an overreach. We proposed a compromise of 11 days, which would bring us to the Friday night before early voting starts. Uh, and we think it should be a mail-by uh, deadline rather than a receive-by deadline, which would sync up with the online request option, where when you submit your request, it's received within seconds uh, after that by the board. So that would be a much cleaner, clearer rule to tell people, if you want an absentee ballot, there's all these ways to apply, but you must act by this uh, time and date. Yeah, and I, I and I agree with you. I don't know if I told you yet. I agree with you on this. Uh, uh, you've actually kind of won me over uh, with your arguments online about this because I, at first I was I was sympathetic to the fifteen day rule mainly because what the post office was saying. But now, having administered it and knowing that, you know, there's some arguments that I would say that I would like a county like so Onondaga County has their own rule that uh, we put in place that says that if you do mail it in, we're going to try to mail it to you. We're just not guaranteeing it's going to get there. That's, that's our, um, that's our spin on this. Uh, you know, that, uh, that if applications come in, we're going to still mail them out, but the portal shutting down uh, is problematic because 70% of our mail app, our apps, the applications now are coming in through the portal and, the portal is such a, a a wonderful new new tool. I would love the for an and but the portal is run by the state board, so the I don't have that option in Onondaga County without making my own portal, um, which would be costly and inefficient. Um, you know, to uh, say to them, you know, give me four more days of the portal. I want to make this rule in my county, and so we're actually going to a, a le less efficient system for the next few weeks, or people have to come in in person and, and in the middle of a pandemic, I feel like that's defeating the reason for the absentee ballot. So um, yeah, I, you've won me over. <laughs> I want you to say, I'm going to talk to my caucus about it. We'll see if you win my caucus over. But uh, personally, I, 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 I like your compromise and I would love to see, uh, Again, I want to see the stats. I'm a stats guy. I want to see the stats. How many people didn't get their absentee ballot because they missed this deadline? And I think that'll help make the argument to relax it a little bit. So, and I appreciate that. And uh, we, we do need uh, folks who, who uh, agree that they might have overreached to, to speak out about this. And obviously you're a very powerful voice um, on that front uh, because uh, you get it and you have to do the work. Um, so uh, I do want to make a, a couple quick points. I'm, I'm not blind to, uh, to the need to balance things, right? We are now expanding absentee voting and the population of people who will be doing it. Uh, so it certainly makes sense if you're going to dramatically increase the scale of this access that you'd, you'd have to change things around and make sure that it's feasible. We certainly don't want voters in a position of thinking they can do something and that they'll be able to to access an absentee ballot, and then it's just not feasible uh, for administrators, and that would hurt voters too. 
Um, I just don't think we're, we're actually in that boat. Um, and, and look, who's impacted by this? It's not going to suppress me. I've already voted. I request my absentee ballot, you know, well ahead of time. I follow the political calendar, uh, but I'm not most voters. Uh, and I'm certainly not the marginalized voter uh, who might tune in in the in the two weeks before an election uh, during debates and and when when that the, the race starts to feel a, a to, to feel like it's everywhere and people who might not live and breathe uh, politics in the political calendar start to to get interested in this whole thing. So while we're expanding this new option, we're now cutting off access for uh, the more vulnerable folks. It's not going to impact people who rarely move or people on the permanent absentee list. Uh, and it's not going to impact people who are hyper aware about the election cycle. Uh, so, so I'm sensitive to that too. Um, I made a point earlier about the lack of state funding and public education, not a penny to tell people that there's this new, new deadline. Um, and the last thing I want to make is a point about data. I wish and hope that we get some data out of this, uh, but our group's been foiling the boards around the state just to try and get a handle on this. Um, and we've been told by some boards, well, they don't really keep track of how many untimely requests they get, or once that deadline hits, they're not really keeping an eye on that sort of thing. Uh, and we certainly hope they will. Uh, but one thing we might learn out of this, uh, and we've seen it in some other contexts, is that we actually need boards to be required to track and report up uh, some of these metrics, right? How many provisional ballots are thrown out and on what basis and where are they happening? These are questions we have a lot of trouble getting to the answers to. Uh, but on this question, we've learned that Suffolk County alone uh, received almost 25,000 ballot requests in election 2020 during this eight-day period that is now no longer available. Uh, in Westchester, that number's over 9,000. We've heard from 10 boards. Uh, it's it's a, a, about 50,000, uh, and none of that is New York City. New York City either can't get us an answer or they're still counting it because it is such a large amount of ballot requests. So I do hope we get the data, uh, but that is one challenge uh, to doing this work is the, the, the dearth of election data uh, that's out there. Well, and that's something I testified to uh, and, and others did as well, that a data standard for, uh, for what is public data, what, what, what data do all campaigns have a right to, and how that can, data can be transmitted needs to be more of a, a, a statewide standard because leaving it up to the counties with minimum IT budgets and uh, minimum, um, you know, uh, ability to put in resources unless it's mandated, because if it's mandated, they have to, then we might see some more of a, you know, more of a standard and, and you know, just deciding what is public, what isn't. Well, you know, we're kind of getting towards the end, but there's one thing I did want to give you a chance to talk to you, and that's uh, wrong choice, wrong period. That's something else that you've been a big advocate for. So have I. I agree with your positions. Um, but explain to us what this issue is and why you're fighting so hard for it and, and what, what's our hope in the future of getting this. So uh, we've taken on um, what is sort of a lurking technicality under New York's election law. And in a sense, those are some of the, the, the harder things to go after. Because uh, it, it, uh, it doesn't necessarily sound like a big ticket item, and a lot of folks might not even realize this rule exists. Uh, but we started off from the premise of saying, okay, now that New York has started to modernize its election law, now that we've done some of the big stuff, 
automatic voter registration, creating an early voting period, moving to absentee voting, uh, maybe getting to a place where people can register to vote less than 25 days before an election, or even doing one-stop registration and voting. The sort of things that'll cure a lot of the defects. We are trying to look at the large pockets of ballots that come from, from eligible voters that are then thrown out for one reason or another under the election law. Now, the largest source of disqualified uh, affidavit provisional ballots uh, in, in New York elections in, in every county uh, is ballots from people who didn't register or didn't register on time. Uh, so they might think they're registered. They might not realize they had to. They might think they can do it uh, on election day. But for whatever reason, these folks are showing up. They're not registered. Uh, you're not registered to vote. You can't vote. Those ballots are discarded. But the next largest pile of votes uh, in, 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 again, virtually every county uh, are, are ballots from people who show up to vote. They're registered to vote. They show up to a poll site in their correct county, but it's not the poll site they were assigned to. And uh, re regardless of what interaction then happens between them and the poll worker, uh, they are directed to cast an affidavit ballot. They complete it, they sign it, they turn it in, they go on their way. Uh, and because the election law has a, a very firm rule on this, the entire ballot is voided. Uh, regardless of the fact that we're all eligible as New Yorkers to vote for president, for governor, uh, if you're in your right congressional district, for your member of Congress, any voter in the city of New York can vote for, for mayor, uh, for US Senate, that kind of thing. Uh, and so what we started to do was try to say, well, how many of these, how big of a problem is this? Uh, and we, we went after uh, this information from every board of elections in the state. We tried to verify these numbers with the state board. We had two counties tell us that they're not required to track this or report it, uh, or they couldn't give us the information. Uh, having heard from 56 other counties, we know that uh, that if that's true, it's, it's shades of, of falsehood. Uh, but 13,800 ballots, more than 13,800 ballots uh, in the state of New York election 2020 thrown out, we believe from registered voters, uh, most of whom probably have no idea that this has happened to them, uh, their entire ballot discounted. Uh, that number uh, to give folks a metric is larger than the Biden-Trump uh, margin of victory in Georgia in 2020. Uh, and while we don't have statewide races here, uh, that is the sort of thing uh, that is a, it's just a massive number. And were we to have uh, anything statewide, uh, that would be, uh, that would be a, a big irregularity that people would look at and say, well, it might be required by the law, but are the will of the people being heard here? Um, the, the damning part about this is it doesn't happen evenly throughout the state. We have some counties, uh, I think we have over 20 counties where there were none of these, zero people who walked into the wrong poll site and cast a provisional ballot. Then you have places in the Bronx and other parts of the city uh, and uh, the, the most densely populated counties in the state uh, that have a disproportionately large amount of these um, happening, hundreds of these uh, in assembly districts in certain cases. Many of these are majority minority neighborhoods. They're very densely populated places uh, and so there's a disproportionate impact happening here. Um, and under our election law, poll workers are required to direct voters to the correct site. Uh, we now use electronic poll books where you can print a receipt or text someone, uh, hey, you're in the wrong place, but you're supposed to go to this place. Uh, but the point is we wanna move away from uh, having these sort of interactions between a frontline poll worker and a voter. 
Uh, and we'd like to get to a place where we're saying the person's registered, they're eligible to vote for, for certain contests on this ballot. Let's count what we can. Uh, and if we have to discard uh, the very bottom race on the ballot, we might have to, uh, but we should count as many votes as we possibly can uh, when we know a voter is eligible. Well, Jared, uh, it has been a pleasure, again, talking with you, my friend. Uh, you're an incredible advocate for New York and uh, early voters. I, I am happy to talk with you, even when we disagree, uh, but I'm always happier when we agree, and <laughs> usually do. So, uh, but uh, thank you again for coming on. Uh, you know, we'll see you again before early voting next year uh, for the primary. And, uh, and by then we'll have probably some major absentee ballot changing that will go on uh, um, with, uh, you know, the no fault absentee and possibly even a big change in the way we canvass ballots. But that's all going to be next year. So we'll talk about that in January or February or something like that when we get into the legislative session. But thank you once again for coming on. And uh, yeah, um, is there any final words, anything you want to say? Um, just thank you for having me, Dustin, and for, for raising these issues. I wish you and your team a very smooth election. Well, we'll see. <laughs> it's always fun. Uh, but, it, you know, uh, this uh, multi-stream voting is the wave of the future. So I do hope that we'll continue to invest in resources uh, to do that and bring that to voters. So thank you again to my guest, uh, Jared Berg, executive director and founder of Vote Early New York. Uh, as I said, early voting starts this Saturday, uh, 10 to 3 in Onondaga County on Saturday and Sunday, 10 to 6 on Monday and Tuesday, noon to 8 on Wednesday and Thursday, 10 to 6 again on Friday, and then 10 to 3 on Saturday and Sunday the, the following weekend. Go to onvote.net uh, and go to the early voting tab and find the six sites um, and choose the one nearest you and most convenient for you if you want to take part in this. Uh, in early voting, of course, election day is November 3rd. Um, please remember to wear a mask for all in-person voting in Onondaga County. We are requiring it at all poll sites, regardless of vaccination status. Um, and that is to protect our poll workers, but also many of our polling places are schools uh, and, and uh, town halls that already require this masking option to visit their facilities. So we're honoring their wishes as well. Uh, so please uh, do so. Uh, please consider wearing a mask indoors no matter where you are because the, uh, the virus is still with us. Uh, we're seeing rising case numbers in Onondaga County still um, and rising deaths. And, uh, uh, you know, if you can get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you're eligible for your booster, get your booster. That is the only way that we're going to get out of this is by taking care of each other, by masking indoors and also making sure that uh, you are uh, uh, taking care of yourself by vaccinating. So again, thank you to Jared Berg of Vote Early New York and enjoy the rest of your day.